Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Paola. And I'm Danielle. Today we're talking about the second part of the Fear Street series, Fear Street 1978, which is a 2021 American teen slasher film directed by Lee Janik with a script co-written by Janik and Zach Olkiewicz. Um, yeah, so let's get into it, except we got a little warning for you. Uh, I better watch out. Um, spoilers coming at you coming. from all sides. <laughs> From all directions. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it and come back. Or just stick around if you don't really mind the spoilers. Here is the Wikipedia plot summary. In 1994, Dina and Josh Johnson restrained Sam, Dina's girlfriend who was possessed, and traveled to see Berman's house for help. Initially reluctant, Berman allows them inside and begins recounting the events of the Camp Nightwing massacre. On July 19, 1978, Ziggy Berman from Shadyside is accused of stealing by Sheila, a Sunnyvale camper, and her friends. They rope her to a tree and begin to burn her before camp counselors Nick Good and Kurt intervene. Ziggy's older sister, Cindy, and her boyfriend, Tommy Slater, are cleaning the mess hall when Nurse Lane, the mother of Shadyside killer Ruby Lane, attacks Tommy, saying that he will die that night before she is removed from camp by the police. The teenagers from Sunnyvale believe she was possessed by Sarah Fear, as was her daughter. While investigating the infirmary, Cindy and Tommy encounter counselors Alice, Cindy's former friend, and her boyfriend Arnie. They find Lane's diary, which says that Fear made a deal with the devil by cutting her hand on Satan's stone, thereby earning eternal life. They also find a map in the diary leading to Fear's house. At the house, they find empty graves dug up by Nurse Lane and discover the witch's mark below the house. Alice and Cindy find a wall carved with names of all the Shadyside killers, and Tommy's name included. Tommy, now possessed, kills Arnie with an axe, and the girls escape into a cave. At camp, Nick helps Ziggy prank Sheila and lock her in the outhouse. As the two bond and share a kiss, Tommy reaches the camp and murders several Shadyside campers including Counselor Joan. Meanwhile, Cindy and Alice try to escape using the witch's mark in the diary as a map of the cave. They come across a pile of beating organs, which when Alice touches, gives her flashbacks of all the past killers and their victims. After Alice injures her leg, she reconciles with Cindy and the two reach a cave opening beneath the outhouse. After fighting an angry Sheila and knocking her unconscious, Ziggy and Counselor Gary try to rescue Alice and Cindy until Tommy decapitates Gary. Ziggy hides with Nick until he is injured by Tommy and escapes to the mess hall. As the rest of the camp leaves via bus, Cindy finds a route to the mess hall while Alice stays behind. Tommy attacks Ziggy, but Cindy intervenes and kills him. Alice arrives and tells him that she had found the witch's hand. She had started bleeding and realized that she was sitting near Satan's stone where she dug it out. The trio decided to end the curse by reuniting Sarah's hand when Ziggy suddenly bleeds on the hand and sees a vision of Sarah Fear. This triggers the curse, resurrecting several Shadyside killers. Tommy kills Alice before Cindy decapitates him. Ziggy and Cindy run to the tree where Fear was hanged with the Shadyside killers in pursuit. They dig around the tree and find a rock saying, The witch forever lives. When Cindy realizes they are after Ziggy, she drops the hand and sacrifices herself. The two are murdered and the killers disappear until Nick finds them and saves Ziggy via CPR. 
Dina and Josh realize that C. Berman is Ziggy, whose real name is Christine. They tell her that they found the witch's body, and now, with the hand, they can end the curse. The camp was turned into Shadyside Mall, where Dina and Josh go in and dig out the hand from under the same tree. They make it to the place where the body is buried, and Dina reunites the body with the hand. Dina's nose bleeds, and she sees a vision where she is in 1666 as Sarah Fear. So that was a plot synopsis, so let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So, any thoughts? So, uh, I thought it was interesting how the characters in the second installment had parallels to in the first installment. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that um, Josh was supposed to be like Ziggy, and okay. Dina is supposed to be like Cindy, mm-hmm. and Sam is supposed to be like Tommy, and then Nick is supposed to be like Kate. But then also... You can kind of say that Al, uh, Dina is supposed to be like Alice and Sam is supposed to be like Cindy because they're beefing for like a good part of the movie and then they make up. Yeah. I think that the tension between Cindy and Alice is very similar to the tension between um, Sam and Dina, even though there's no, obviously there's no romantic component to it, mm-hmm. but I thought like just the way that they were talking to each other and the way that they had like you know, Sam and Dina had broken up, but Cindy and Alice had kind of had, like, a fallout in their friendship, and they they pretty much spend most of the movie trying to mend that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was an interesting choice, considering the fact that the resolution has more to do with Cindy and Ziggy, you yeah. know? Like, I was like, I mean, I don't want to get into what I didn't like, but I, that was a little bit confusing to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're going to spend, like, all this time kind of building this relationship with Cindy and Alice, and then at the end kind of just brush it under the rug, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I could I could see that. There's definitely parallels, I feel like, yeah, um, in the stories. I'd say especially, too, in the way that they're... The reason for both um, Dina and Sam were having a tiff over... Um, Sam wanting to, like, better herself, and then the same thing with Cindy, and also even with, between Cindy and Ziggy, even, too. Yeah. The same thing of, like, I want to better myself and get out of, uh... Shady side. Shady side, blah, 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 and then, like, it's the same, mm-hmm. same sentiment. Yeah, true. One of my first observations was that the beginning wasn't as, like, thrilling as the beginning of the other one. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I was kind of, not that I was expecting for them to recreate, you know, a scene in every single one of the movies, like paying homage to an older movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know, I feel like the other one started with a little bit more of a bang, you know, um, but it does make sense because mm-hmm. they were they were literally picking up where they left off before, so it's not like they could insert something in the beginning to try and hook you because at that point like ideally you should have already been hooked because you watched the first part and now you're watching the second one yeah um so I guess that's kind of like the the interesting part about it being like a a series or like a movie event or whatever Netflix marketed as is that you they're really banking on you like continuing to stay interested in the story and actually watch all three movies Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, so I, that's like just one of the first things that I noticed. I was like, oh, this isn't like grabbing me as much as the other one did. I will say these kids are intense and like need to take a chill pill, specifically uh, Sunny Sunnyvale, because when the color wars were about to start, they were like, yeah, we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess they fucking calm down, dude. Yeah. That was weird. I didn't... And also, like, the, the color wars never went anywhere, really. I thought they were going to at least show a little bit of the color war because they built it up so much. Like, it was yeah. a big... It seemed to be, like, a big plot point, And then they didn't really follow through with that, which I thought was an interesting choice. Something that I, I feel like they they were trying to set up with, with that, at least, is the, the way that they, like, did lighting on some of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very end, when the two are laying dead on the floor, everything is blue and red, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And they, like, said in the beginning, too, like, Oh, blue versus red, something versus something else, good versus evil. Yeah. So I feel like they're trying to, like, establish that, like, this is, like, oh, here's good and evil mixing or something, I don't know. Yeah, kind of um, like a theme or a motif or something. Mm-hmm. And then there was a part in, right when when Cindy first attacked Tommy to save Ziggy, mm-hmm. and then after the, the two sisters had their little, like, heart-to-heart thing, and there was this frame where it showed their profiles staring at each other, and um, they made Ziggy's face all, like, green, and then Cindy's face all orange, and, like, so if you think of it, it's, like, blue plus yellow, and then red plus yellow, Mm -hmm. so if you take the yellow out, then it's showing um, Ziggy as blue and Cindy as red, and they said that blue is uh, shady side and red is Sunnyvale. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, and then by the end, they're both blue and red. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to know if that was intentional because that sounds really clever. Mm-hmm. Again, with the super dark scenes. <laughs> oh my god, even worse than the last one. I don't, you probably you wouldn't be able to see it, but in the margin of my paper I just wrote, can't see shit the whole movie, basically. Yeah. I was so upset. I was, I like, was too. I was like to the point where I was getting annoyed. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I would like to watch the movie, you know, see the movie that I'm watching, Mm -hmm. you know. I think that I could tell sometimes it was super dark during scenes that were, like, graphic. Like, it otherwise would have been super graphic, you know, like when he was killing uh, kids and all that. Mm -hmm. So maybe I could say, like, maybe that's why those parts were dark specifically. But there were other parts that, like, had no business. They weren't trying to hide anything. If anything... They were important to the story, and they were Mm -hmm. just too dark, and I don't understand. Maybe if we watched the movie at night, then we would have been able to see everything, but it would have had to be, like, pitch black in the room. Yeah. In order to be able to do that. That's some BS, because, especially, we had the TV on, like, the max brightness it would go, and we had all the blinds closed in the house. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, particularly sunny that day, either. No, not really. it's like, I don't know, it's just kind of... It's kind of strange. I don't, I don't know what creative choice led them there, but... Maybe they had, like, in their minds, like, the, the mindset. I don't know if this director has directed other things that went on, like, like in the movie theater screens, but maybe they were thinking in that mindset of, like, this is how the frame should look. Like, yeah. Because it's going to be in a dark room, but mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did intend for it to go in the theaters, but I would be very surprised because it's like a three-parter. They they produce them all at once. Like it's yeah. just I don't know. But yeah, that was like one of the things that I noticed like, right away again, and I was kind of annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a little um, nod to The Shining twice in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one where it was when um, Ziggy and Nick were uh, geeking out over both liking Stephen King mm-hmm. and... Nick says something like, oh, yeah, the next book is supposed to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I read this part online that um, that, that was a nod to The Shining because his oh. next book at that point was going to be The Shining. I see. That's um, cool. And then there's the scene later when Tommy's trying to break down the door to get to Ziggy mm-hmm. and it's kind of like the here's Johnny scene. <laughs> yeah, so... The girl who plays Ziggy, Sadie, she's a great actress, and she's really good at playing an angsty teen. Oh, yeah. Which I guess, like, we kind of already knew that because of Stranger Things, because she's got more of, like, a moody character compared to the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, like, compared to all the other characters in Stranger Things who are just, like, goofy and shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she's, she's really good. Um, I'm also surprised. I mean, she is young. She's 19, but she looks much younger. Oh, yeah, no, I thought she was, like, 15 or something. Yeah, she looks really young, but, yeah, she's 19. So. But, yeah, I really I really liked her performance. I thought it was, like, one of the best parts of this movie. There was, like, foreshadowing, like, right off the bat in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. that I didn't catch until I was going back through my notes. And I was like, I could have totally, you know, I should have caught that. But uh, it seemed like the two parts of the movie were disconnected, so I didn't make the connection in my head. Mm-hmm. But... You find out in the the beginning, when it's in like the present, mm-hmm. that C. Berman's dog, his name is Major Tom, and her nickname is Ziggy. Oh. So that's supposed to be like a thing that, like, if you pay attention, you might think like, oh, hey, it's her dog. I mean, you could also make the point if you thought it was Cindy that she named her dog because of her sister, right? Like, as like a reminder or something. But I guess that was supposed to be a yeah, sort of definitely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that that's a clever way to kind of foreshadow the mm-hmm. fact that she's actually or she's actually Ziggy. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to how crazy those kids were. That Sheila girl, mm. she scared the shit out of me. She's a bitch. Yeah, and she was bad. I thought for a second that she was the girl from uh, I'm not sure what movie. If it, I think it's The Orphan, the one where the girl has like the little choker and like. She's she pretends like, to be a kid. But yeah, she's, yeah. But she's the old as hell. <laughs> yeah. So she looked like her, and yeah. I was like, "How does she still look that young?" <laughs> that other movie is from years ago. Yeah. No, it's not her. Yeah, I realized later when I saw like a better shot of her face, but she gives off the same energy. Evil. Yeah, evil dude. Evil. Like, and mm-hmm. she kept on like calling Ziggy out for being a witch. I'm like, if anyone's a witch here, dude, it's you. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Honestly. It, like, just the way that she looked even, too. Like, she looked like a stereotypical, like, witch is portrayed in, like, movies with, like, long, dark hair and, like, I don't know. Dark makeup or something? Yeah. Well, I don't know. not super dark, but. Just, I don't um, know. And her she facial had her, expressions. She had her little servants, too. Mm-hmm. Did her bidding. Just fucking burning people. Yeah. I was like, like, what is going on here? So, 
I was thinking that it's pretty crazy that the witch's house is still standing mm -hmm. because I did the calculation and it's been there for at least 312 years and nobody's went in there and saw those names and like thought to get rid of it and it's like on the campgrounds and it's not that far of a walk apparently from the fucking yeah. campgrounds like maybe people are too scared maybe they're like yes. which used to live there I don't want to mess with that they're like mm -mm. I liked that they gave an explanation for why the bloody nose thing happened Oh, yeah, 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 That it, I noted that. I was like, oh, okay, now it makes sense, because last episode we had some questions about that. Mm -hmm. We were like, why was Dina's nose bloody? Like, what's up with that, you know? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I also like that that kind of came full circle, and they told us why that happened. Yeah, I have a suspicion. They didn't, like, outright say it in the movie. They just said, when the witch is near, but it only happens to female characters. So I have a feeling that it's like, I don't know, she's like more connected to, to other women. Yeah. yeah, that she can like affect them or something. Yeah. You never see any guys with a bloody nose. Very true. So. Although she is able to manipulate guys though, which is interesting. It would have been an uh, interesting twist, not twist, but like take or choice if all of the monsters were women. Like Ruby Lane and, you know. Mm-hmm. All, if they were all women. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I think that's... Oh, one more thing. Um, there was a little bit of an inconsistency between what the, you know, the narrator said in the beginning versus what she said at the end. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning she said, okay, July 12th. You know, this was the first day of camp, and um, and then towards the, actually towards the middle, uh, not the middle, the like beginning, but a little bit after the very beginning, the early beginning, um, she says something like, to her, she, Cindy says to her sister, hey, you can't get in trouble anymore, remember when I told you the week before and the week before? Yeah. But it... The, the span of the camp is only from July 12th to July 19th, so it's only one week. And she yeah. said, hey, you're going to get kicked out. Remember last week when I talked to you about this? But the whole camp was only within one week. So it's like, what are you talking about? You guys are talking the week before and the week before, and the camp was only one week. Yeah, that's a good catch. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were, I'm wondering if they were, like, time jumping? Well, no. It was just a week, right? Yeah, I'm going to guess that maybe the conversation, the way that it came off in the movie for that specific part, maybe it was supposed to be interpreted as like, hey, stop getting in trouble in general, not specifically stop getting in trouble while at you're at camp. at camp. But yeah. I don't know. I guess. That's the only thing I could think of. That right. That's the only thing that would make it make sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But true. That's a good catch. There's a little... Should've done that up. Inconsistency there. Makes you think. <laughs> I did like that they chilled out with the needle drops a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, there was still a significant amount, but I feel like it was more, like, glaring in the other movie. Yeah, it wasn't so, like, whiplashy. Like, I feel like the other one had jammed in way more, and that they were, like, one after the other, whereas in this one, like, the beginning there was a few, mm -hmm. but they were, like, not so obnoxiously placed that it, like... 
distracted you, around, you. Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, I feel like they're well used, mm-hmm. so it, it didn't bother me. Yeah, same. So, Paula. Yes? What'd you like about this movie? Some things, you know. My first one is, I mean, I already mentioned it, but Sadie Sink, who plays Ziggy, was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was, like, the standout as far as the actresses go, or actors in general. Um, so, yeah, that was the first thing on my list. I enjoyed her performance. What about you? Um, the first thing I had on my list was that, uh, again, in this movie, I like that they put... They focused on the sort of character development and connection building between characters, like in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like between, as we said, Alice and Sydney. Uh, Alice and Sydney. Sydney. Cindy. Cindy. I wrote Sydney in my notes like once or twice also. Um, okay, so between Alice and Cindy, Cindy and Ziggy, and Ziggy and Nick. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, I did like the fact that the needle drops were used a little bit more sparingly. I feel like they found a good balance. Mm-hmm. And I specifically like the the use of um, Carry On My Wayward Son as kind of like a theme or like a motif. Because it plays in the beginning, I think. And then it also plays during one of the scenes when... Or during the scene when like Ziggy and Cindy are kind of like fighting the... The killer mm-hmm. so I thought that was neat and I also just thought it was like very smart of them to blast the music while he was kind of going on a rampage and trying to find them and kill them because it really probably made it more difficult for him you know because it was so loud and kind of disorienting yeah and it also just made the scene like look cooler it was like a cool sequence because of it so yeah yeah uh, I agree with your point, and I think that it was neat that, like you said, that it was actually, like, happening to the characters and not just, like, soundtrack. Yeah. And yeah. that you can really tell that, because sometimes it's kind of, you're not able to tell, but, like, because you see her push the thing, mm-hmm. and, like, when it stops, he's able to hear her. Right. So, it like, yeah, it adds a more of a component. Yeah, I like when that happens in movies. I think it's a clever tool because it's not just part of the of the soundtrack or the score. Mm-hmm. I get confused about those two words, but anyway, um, it's not just part of like the music that's playing in the movie to set a certain mood. I like when they actually incorporate it into the storyline in a mm-hmm. way that's that's like really clever. And I think this was a good example. You know, I think another good example which we've already talked about when we talked about The Conjuring, Mm -hmm. was when, um, I mean, spoilers for the latest Conjuring movie, but when Arnie is going, funny, there's an Arnie character here too, (laughs) but when Arnie kills um, the landlord guy, I think they walk in and the landlord guy is already playing a Blondie song because he's like drunk and partying and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then that same song kind of carries on to the sequence of, when Arnie's imagining, you know, the demon and all that. So that's another, like, clever way in which, like, that particular thing that you're describing is used. And I like to see that in Mm -hmm. movies. I think it's really cool. I liked the twist that Ziggy was C. Berman. Mm -hmm. And 
that that whole little scene of like the the killers chasing them and like dying and then being brought back yeah. and then finding out that she was she's the narrator. Right. I I liked it too. I thought it was neat. Um I saw it coming but I can't say that I saw it coming like too far in advance. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of piece it together more towards the end when they almost revealed it. I was like, I wonder if that's what's going to happen. And especially because even though they did tend to focus more on Cindy's character and kind of what like Cindy was going through and her opinions about leaving Shadyside and her relationship with Tommy and her relationship with Alice, like for all intents and purposes, like she was the main character, but there was something about Ziggy's character that like to me was first of all more interesting and just made more sense I don't know why but made more sense for her to be the one who survived and so I thought for a split second I was like I wonder if they're gonna pull a switcheroo somehow and make it so that she's actually C. Berman mm-hmm. I will say though even though I think the, the twist was good I don't think that it was super impactful as far as the storyline goes. Yeah. And um, the execution was neat, but it was kind of a throwaway reveal, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean anything for the rest of the storyline at all. And also, something that I thought about afterwards is how... (laughs) Did she tell them that story entirely in the third person or what? That's literally what I was going to ask you as soon as the movie was over. And I was like, I'm going to ask you something. I was like, wait, actually, until we're on camera. But I wrote the same thing. I said, how did C. Berman tell the story to Dina and Josh without saying she was Ziggy? Yeah. Did she say everything in third person? Yeah. Because she couldn't have said I or, like, my or anything like that. Yeah. Which doesn't Unless she pretended to be Cindy for purposes yeah but that was I was like "Mm, okay I guess and then also how would she have known everything that happened to Cindy and Alice when they were in the cave like unless both died yeah unless like she like told her and like she filled in with like her own thoughts of like what they said I don't know so that was my thing I was like I don't know it seems like it's it's neat it's a neat like little twist I guess it's better than no, nothing, but at the same time, I don't think, for me, it was as impactful as they maybe intended it to be, you know? Yeah. Especially because it had no real repercussions. It was just kind of like... We tricked you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Dialogue, I feel like, improved in this movie uh, compared to the first one. And in the first movie, it seemed like there were moments... I can't, like, specifically put, like, a finger and say this moment, this moment, but, like, just in general, something about the dialogue felt off Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Uh, Not a lot of the time, but, like, enough that I noticed it and, like, had a, wrote that as something I thought was a problem. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this one improved and, like, it felt, like, natural. Um, I thought that the killing scenes were pretty gnarly again, and they weren't... I feel like for some reason, from what I remember, most of them, like I said, weren't weren't shown so much. Maybe because they were like younger kids or something, mm-hmm. they maybe didn't want to show. Maybe that's why they used, you know, the dark the darkness element of it. But the ones that they did show were pretty crazy, like the, the stabbing in the chest. Yeah, dude, and oh. the face. 
the, I think there was a point where he like stabbed somebody in uh, somebody in the face. I don't know. I think it was, didn't he stab Arnie in the face? He like chopped his head in half or something. Yeah, right? yeah. And then when um, Cindy decapitates him, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is pretty. You know, I feel like. I don't know why, but maybe because I'm in the in the setting of more of like a teen because the movie's like a teen movie, I don't mind like the kills and like the gore as much as if I you know compared to if I were to be watching something that's like more serious mm-hmm. about like a more serious murderer or something like that um but yeah, so to me that. Those were, you know, it's kind of weird to say that I liked when people were getting killed, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it was neat looking. They yeah, did, they yeah. did a good job with the... Um, with the, the special effects. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely. I'll say that I thought that the movie felt more smooth in a way. I think it's mostly just to do with that this movie was all set in one location, basically. Like, just yeah. the camp. I guess you could count the cave underground as a second mm-hmm. location, but uh, the other one seemed a little bit like, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that's why it didn't seem... It, it, this one seemed more like one thing, whereas besides the, the you know, transition between the past storyline and the present. Right. Um, but the other one was more of, like, segmented... It was more chaotic, I think, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that I liked was the fact that they incorporated the mall into the storyline because it kind of goes back to the first killing, like the very first killing that we see in, um, part one, mm-hmm. it happens in the mall. So I like that they kind of tied that back together. Like that's where the camp used to be. And so that's where the tree is. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a like clever way to, to tie in that particular setting. Yeah, and it also makes more sense to how the witch's, like, grasp, I guess, got to um, Ryan, I think was his name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that she technically has a grasp over the whole town, but maybe, like, he was more susceptible to get it because he worked in the mall. The store that he worked at was closer to the tree. (laughs) What did you not like about this movie? While I agree with you that this movie was less chaotic, I also think... That it made it a little bit slower. Mm. Like, the pacing was kind of slow for me. I kept on waiting for action to pick up, and then it kind of didn't. And when it did, it would, like, go, like, up and down, up and down, up and down. Like, it would, like, be, like, it started out kind of flat, and then went up a little bit, and then it went back down. And, like, I was just, it was, I was having trouble, like, being really engaged in the story. This one's kind of a silly one, but it, like, got me. Um, So, in the movie, they refer to the hand as a hand bone. Yeah. And that's not... That's not correct. I mean, (laughs) your hand has a lot of bones in it. Right. And so, I mean, I guess... We got a biologist over here, so... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It just just got me, because, like... It's kind of the same thing like this, that, like... Frog bone. Yeah, like, this looks like it's one bone when they're supposed to be separate bits or something. (laughs) Or, like, when it's Halloween and you see, like, cat ears on, like, skeletons, it's like, that's made of cartilage, not bone. 
Or like a fucking spider. That's a skeleton and spiders don't even have bones. They have exoskeleton, which is Come like on, girl. crunchy skin that's hard and like it's not a real bone. A crunchy skin. I don't like that. <laughs> so I don't know. I, that just like got me and I was like Bone. Yeah, I was kind of laughing at it. And yeah, like, it's easier to say, I guess, than but they could just send like the witch's the witch's hand or hand bones. I mean, yeah. I guess like <laughs> just add the s and it's good. Yeah, yeah. This is something that goes directly against one of the things that you like. So forgive me. <sighs> Shitting on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really buy into this, the the characters. And their connections. Oh, like all of them? My, the, the only one that I bought was Cindy and Alice. Because they actually spent a good amount of time kind of developing it. And even telling us a little bit of the backstory. Mm-hmm. But Nick and Ziggy, I'm sorry, I didn't buy it. Not, not the weird girl, dude. She's like, the weird girl. <laughs> you know, alright, maybe I'm just like a sucker for like angsty teen stuff I, I mean I can I can see that obviously the character development between them those two was not anywhere near as good or like as much proof of evidence oh, if you compare that love story to Sam and Dina oh yeah like no no, no. I'm not I'm not buying that for yeah. even a nickel and <laughs> not um, even a, a nick a nick nickel. oh I really wanted to buy into Cindy and Ziggy's relationship, but unfortunately, in my opinion, they didn't really develop it as much as they should have been developed in order for that end to be really impactful. And it almost made me wonder if it should have been um, Ziggy down in the cave with Cindy. Yeah. Because that would have made a lot more sense. I would have cared a lot more about the fact that one of them dies in the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, maybe they felt the obligation to have some sort of love story because it is a teen movie that they were like, no, she can't be in the cave with Cindy because she's got to be, you know, with Nick playing pranks on the mean girl, you know? Yeah. And bonding over nothing. And it, it's weird. I, I didn't quite buy it. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was the worst. Like, don't get me wrong. I was still able to watch it and sort of believe it. But it didn't. I, I didn't feel any sort of emotional pull at all whatsoever. So, yeah, maybe they just really felt the need to insert a love story, and that was the only way to do it. And also, actually, no, I was going to say maybe it plays into it in the next one as far as... Because we know that Nick is still alive, and obviously Ziggy's still alive. She's C. Berman. I was like, maybe they're going to make him reconnect or something, but... The next movie doesn't take place in that time period anymore. So, mm-hmm. unless part of it does, maybe at the end or something. Yeah. But who knows? I'm gonna predict that it's gonna be most of the movie is in that that uh, 1666 time period. But I predict that somehow Dina's gonna get back to the present. Yeah. And in the present, uh, Nick will show up, and they'll have some like really like half-assed. Um, Oh, you came when I called you because yeah. of the book club thing, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're gonna like I don't know. Right. No, the, I could totally see that happening. I forgot about the fact that she called them at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, totally. I think they are definitely gonna reunite. So maybe that's what they were trying to build up to. But in this particular movie, like I'm, 
at the moment, I'm kind of, I'm judging it obviously both as part of the series, but I feel like for the time being, I can only judge it as like its own thing because I haven't seen the entirety of the series. Mm-hmm. So maybe at the end, we'll kind of regroup a little bit and look at it more, you know, as a whole. But this particular movie, <laughs> I didn't buy it. The other thing that I have is that I was sort of like disappointed slash surprised that they didn't do more with that weird uh, fly-covered tunnel heart thing. Um, that like they didn't attack it or something. Like I felt like that that we didn't really get much for it. Like with how cool it looked. Yeah. There could have been more to it. And it looked important, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, like, the heart of the, the fucking... I would have tried, like, poking it or something. Poke it with a stick. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good point. They kind of just showed it to us and said, hey, look, this is where it comes from. Can't do anything to it, though. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of an episode of Courage's Cowardly Dog Show, um, where there's, like, a... Know, there's, like, some sort of nightclub or something, and, like, underneath the floor is a heart. And, like, when people step on the floor, it's, like, giving him, like, heartburn or some shit. That's weird. Yeah, that show's really weird. (laughs) That's why I like it. I think, overall, my biggest complaint with it, with this particular movie, in the sense that now looking at it a little bit, you know, as part of the overarching storyline, is the fact that I feel like it didn't reveal that much more information about Sarah Fear. Like, it was just kind of... Because, obviously, that's, like the overarching story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, every every movie or every uh, chapter, I guess, or part, we get to find out about these characters specifically who are dealing with the curse, but the overarching story has to do with Sarah Fear, and I feel like this movie in particular didn't really reveal a lot more about that particular storyline. They kind of just kept repeating the same information over and over again. So yeah. I was just kind of waiting for, I don't know, a little bit more. Something that pushed the story a little bit forward. Um, like a little bit more forward mm-hmm. <laughs> in the narrative. Uh, and it and it kind of didn't. So I was that was like kind of disappointing to me as far as the uh, storyline goes for all, all three of them. Like what's supposed to be the storyline for all three of them. Uh, so I have a few questions. Okay, and a what couple are your suggestions? <laughs> what are your questions? Why Why did Tommy kill Cindy if they were only after Ziggy for bleeding on the hand hand bone? Because <laughs> um, and and she even says it too. And it's like, how, how did she figure it out so fast that they were only after Ziggy? I feel like they just wanted us to. They they thought it'd be okay for her to say it because we already know that that's the case from the first movie. But I feel like she how her, would she have known? Her, yeah. yeah, her character shouldn't have known that. But besides that point, she says it out loud. They're only after you. Mm-hmm. But yet Tommy fucking stabs the shit out of her chest. Collateral damage. I guess I guess because she hit him. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like they would have still been going after Ziggy. Right. I mean. Yeah, Cindy was the one who was, like, actively really trying to fight him. So that's probably why, but, um, yeah. Or even Alice. Right. It just came up and killed Alice. I mean, I guess Alice, like, had her bloody hand and she, like, touched something, maybe. So maybe she was a target also, but it didn't seem like they he was really trying to come after her before that, so. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I could think of is, like, they were coming after um, Ziggy, right? They were coming after Ziggy, and that was, like, the primary reason. But there wasn't any other, there wasn't, like, there was no way that they, that Tommy wasn't going to kill at least Alice, because she was there, you know, like... Yeah, but who's going on a killing spree? Like, come if on. you go by the 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 way that it worked in the first one, um, they did the trail of blood, and the the people walked right past mm, that's the true. other people and didn't even bother to attack them. But then you know what? Well, no, because they had their they had her blood on them. Yeah, and that's why they killed uh, Simon and Kate. Or was that his name? Simon. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why they killed Simon and Kate, because they had the blood. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe, uh, Alice and, uh, Cindy, Cindy had Ziggy's blood, Ziggy's blood on. Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like it's possible, you know? Yeah. But that's a good question. I don't know what they were thinking with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other question was, uh... What do you think was up with the wall of alarm clocks? Like, what is that for, do you think? Like, I know it showed her, like, locking doors and stuff. Yeah. But, like... Um, see Berman, right, in the beginning? Yeah. Like, are those, the, end. the fucking zombie... I mean, the monsters coming after her all the time and people just don't notice? Yeah, I don't... I, I was hoping that they would explain that. Because um, I really didn't get it also. Mm-hmm. But maybe they'll explain it in the next one. Who knows? But uh, yeah. Maybe they were just trying to portray the fact that she's so, like paranoid and like PTSD or something and she has timers to make sure that nobody's outside or something I don't know mm-hmm. but maybe they'll maybe they'll explain it in the next one so Danielle what did you rate this movie so I gave this movie a 7.6 out of 10 fly covered tunnel hearts <laughs> so Paula what did you rate this movie so I rated this movie a 7 out of 10 stories told in the third person. <laughs> That's going to be it for today's episode. Um, we hope you guys liked it. Let us know what you thought if you've seen this movie in the comments below. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and our podcast and like this video if you enjoyed our review. Um, if you have any comments or questions or movie suggestions, um, you can email us at danielleandpaola at gmail.com. And then also go ahead and give us a follow on social media. So we have Instagram. Our handle is uh, Hysterified Podcast. And then on Twitter, our handle is Hysterified Pod. Um, sometimes we post uh, little hints of what we're going to be doing the next week. And we've been thinking about maybe doing polls or something like that too. So come interact with us on there. <laughs> Uh, And then also, if you're using the Apple Podcast app, go ahead and give us a review and a rating. That'd be super awesome if you did. And uh, thanks. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.